Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, The Lone Ranger, based on a property that most young viewers don't know or care about. It sound <laughs> harsh, but there's, there's many reasons why this movie didn't do too well, and I think that could have played a part. Of course, based on the title character of the same name, the film stars Johnny Depp as Tonto and Army Hammer as John Reed, the Lone Ranger. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, Lone Ranger. Um, like very famous character from very, very, very long ago. Uh, had a quite a long-running TV show from memory uh, back in the golden age of westerns in the fifties and sixties. Um, which you know, his his old catchphrase. Hi ho, silver away, which, um, in fact, uh, and, but the comics got to go longer than that. I think you're talking the twenties for the Lone Ranger comic books, uh, like late twenties, early thirties. Um, cause he had a radio show. Um, I'm not sure if you remember, but I watched the band of brothers TV show by HBO in the early two thousands. Um, and that was the call, the battle cry of um, David Schwimmer's character when he was training them and the first few episodes. Right. Okay. Because he was a Lone Ranger fan. And that is how old being, you know, this is World War II. He, the TV character already had a very successful radio show at the time. Okay. And that is how famous and old this character is. I've not seen Banner Brothers. I mean, Lone Ranger is a character, and you've said it already. Hi ho, Silver, away. We all know that. Like it's something yeah. that's just ingrained in us. You may have noticed in the opening there that I didn't give Army Hammer top billing. Ordinarily, that would be the case. I'm saying that though. Gene Hackman got top billing over Christopher Reeve in Superman, but usually. Yeah. Anything to do with Lone Ranger. He comes first. But in this instance, this is the Disney movie. They've got Johnny Depp and he comes first. Yeah, he was the big star at the time. Like, why wouldn't you advertise Johnny Depp? People will rock up for a Johnny Depp movie. Or so they thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, this, this movie... Production was plagued with problems and budgetary concerns, which at one point almost led to the film's premature cancellation. The film received generally negative reviews from critics who criticised the performances of Hammer and Depp and the screenplay, though some praised the makeup and visual effects. The film was a box office bomb, one of the biggest of all time grossing only 260.5 million worldwide against an estimated 225 to 250 million production budget and an additional 150 million in marketing costs. Despite the negative critical reception, the film received two Oscar nominations for best visual effects and best makeup and hairstyling. But again, Jay, a budget 
between 225 and 250 million and at the box office 260.5 i i mean one of course this was a very expensive movie but i don't think the audience was there no um and this has been somewhat of a a trend for the last i'll say i'll say about 12 to 15 years where people feel like the western can come back not as a an or huge big um bad as it was in the as we said earlier in the 50s and 60s i think even through the 70s to be honest um you know like westerns westerns in fact oh i think they even went from the like the 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 30s and 40s through the 70s like they all they dominated cinema for the better part of half a century oh um, if john you, wayne yeah if you didn't like uh, Clint Eastwood, on tv you had um you know one of the longest running shows of all time until the simpsons overtook it which was uh rawhide um and there was countless shows countless stars that were grew up what names were made and they died in that genre that is how big the genre is and yeah, yeah as i said people were like oh we can do westerns again uh, and you get a show like deadwood and like yeah 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 people people will definitely turn up for a western and you get a show like westworld um, and you might get the odd movie here and there that makes an impact but generally it's something more on the dramatic side uh, and it's, you know, it's something gritty and they're, 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 it's, you're probably looking at like a one in four success rate in terms of film because what they don't realize is how expensive it is to do Westerns. Back in the day, the reason why they could pump them out is because they had the sets, they had the actors, they had the stuntmen, they had the, the props and everything. This day, I mean, they had produced so many of them. They had them just lying around. You know, and they filmed them generally in Italy or in Mexico. And they just had groups who that was their trade. This is what they did you know, day in, day out, all week, all year. Um, these days, you don't have that huge engine ready to push them like you do on a police procedural on TV, for instance. These days, I mean, they seem to be able to just churn those things out. But the cost, I mean, this is... Uh, Deadwood stopped as a TV show because they had to build and run a Western town and it was ridiculously expensive. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I remember it being super expensive. Westworld filmed on those sets because okay, HBO had been, they, up. yeah, oh, they cool because that's how expensive it was. I mean, they had turned it into like a like a kind of a theme park to have people, other people shoot there to recoup the cost of upkeep on the sets. Um, but yeah, it is super expensive. And a movie like this, anything like this they had to do, they would have had to done from scratch, which is, explains the budget. I mean, ignoring Johnny Depp probably got paid $30 million for this, but you everything know, they did would have cost a bunch. Interestingly, though, to minimize the film's overall cost, director Gore Verbinski, producer Jerry Bruckheimer, Johnny Depp, Army Hammer, equally deferred 20% of their salaries. 
because this movie they wanted to get made, it was costing so much money. I mean, this film was nearly cancelled due to obstacles during production, including bad weather, wildfires, a chickenpox outbreak, a crew member's accidental death. I mean, so much was happening against this movie. I mean, the film is one of the biggest financial flops of all time and lost the studio around $100 million. I don't think the Lone Ranger is going to ride again for a very long time. You know, I was curious, like, at that time, what movie actually beat it out of the box office? Do you know what it was? Despicable Me (laughs) 2. That's the movie that took down... The Lone Ranger. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised. Because I mean, Despicable Me was already a big hit. Um, and it would cost so much less. You have a bigger you have a built in audience, you have a bigger audience. As you said, like for a movie of this size, you need people to come in like large numbers. Um and for the kind of release it is during summer holidays it's a summer blockbuster you need to be able to drag kids into the cinema to see it if they go into the cinema and see the lone ranger live action and despicable me the uh, animated sequel to something they already know and enjoy there was no never going to win that one um especially uh, just not in this day and age um which brings up a lot of things in fact from memory, the the big train crash sequence for this movie uh, that was done not full scale, but at near enough. I think it was like either half scale or even like seventy percent, like seventy seven scale, um, to get the physics right and get it to look right. That shot is the single most expensive special effects shot in film history. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Disney were confident in this film on this character. Yep. Um, which goes to show, I mean, when you're, when you're spending that kind of money, again, showing also how expensive a movie like this can be, uh, you need people to turn up. You needed people to turn up in Marvel numbers. And this, this film. This is 2013. And yep. yeah. We've not heard anything about the Lone Ranger since. I'm not sure what came first. Was it Lone Ranger or John Carter? Disney made those. John two Carter. Oh, uh, yeah, John Carter and both. Right. So okay. John Carter was uh, came out in the oh, I think in like 19 teens. Like my brain's telling me around like 1913, somewhere around there. Maybe even 1908. Um, the the first novel. Okay, yeah, of, yeah. I, th- I thought you were yeah. <laughs> they were talking about the movie. I'm like, what? Nah, it's but the movie. Kitsch. He's not that old. Yeah, but the movie was around 2010, somewhere around there. Um, big and you know. Oh, actually, sorry, I, I've just looked it up. It was the year before, 2012. <laughs> to Disney went from John Carter. They must have had a few concerns after that movie bombed also. And then they're still throwing more money at the Lone Ranger. Maybe they were just, inco- they were just confident in the fact that they had Johnny Depp attached. I, 
Yeah, yeah, um, they had a bigger name as the linchpin on the title of the film because Taylor Kitsch hadn't be, wasn't a big name, still isn't, uh, against Johnny Depp on Lone Ranger. Um, also, Warlord of Mars, they lost a lot of money on rebranding the name, the movie multiple times, but also yeah, that's right. an yeah. even older property in a sci-fi where people might not, or sci-fi fantasy where people may not be as familiar. It's definitely not as anywhere near as famous a character as Lone Ranger. No. It feels like the on paper, the Lone Ranger should have worked better. Um, I think I was always annoyed that Warlord of Mars didn't, uh, John Carter didn't make it as well as it did because it was so well done. Uh, in fact, there's yes. a fan trailer that really explained, like showed like, this is what Mar- uh, Disney should have released. They should release this fan trailer using their own trailer footage, but just with some like, like cards put in, in th- to explain, you need to check this out. Don't think, oh, that's just stealing off Star Wars or Flash Gordon or whatever. No, this came before all of them. This is the things that they all robbed it from. Yes, that was the thing uh, at the time, wasn't it? Like so many people, the assumption that this thing just coming along and it's just ripping off all these other sci-fi things that we love. And yeah, the source material came first. I would actually like for us, because I think we've covered most Pulp Heroes and you know we're doing The Lone Ranger now. John Carter, if we come back to that at a later date. I've only seen the movie once. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's yeah. I think the closest we've got to an, a live action Adam Strange movie. I've always um, seen those characters as being fairly similar, although obviously John Carter came first. But yes, yeah, so Disney went from that movie in 2012, big flop, and then a bigger flop. 2013, just a year later with The Lone Ranger. So let's get into the movie then. Native American warrior Tonto recounts the untold tales that transformed John Reed, a man of the law, into a legend of justice. The frame story where young Will meets old Tonto takes place in 1933, which interestingly is the year of the first Lone Ranger radio broadcast. So the film takes place in 1869, but the majority of the film is 1933. And I forgot about this framework altogether. So with you, I think, Jay, it's your first time watching it, isn't it? Yeah, um, this is one of those I plan to see at the cinema. But at the time, I remember a couple of things. I couldn't get an advanced ticket before it was released. And then when it was released, very quickly, people came in saying two things. One, it was really long. Uh, they said it was... The way they talked about it, it was longer than it actually is. It goes for about right. two and a half hours, but yes. they talked about it like it was three and a half hours. <laughs> um, Maybe that's how it felt. <laughs> uh, and and all of the other stuff came in very quickly about how it had been really expensive and probably too expensive and that it wasn't going to make that money back for reasons people said it was terrible, which I always like to see a movie rather than just listen to people's opinions i always meant to get around to it it just with so many other things coming out especially at that time we had both the marvel and dc universes in full swing um and so many other big blockbusters everyone was taking a swing for the fence at the time for big properties coming out star trek uh into darkness came out i think this year as well 
because uh, it was four years. It's like Star Trek 2009 and Star Trek and Darkness 2013. Yeah, so, this came out in a, a stacked year. In fact, if I remember correctly, despite this movie um, doing so poorly, this was Disney's biggest financial year until the year after. Like, you know, they had had the biggest financial year of all time in 2012 with Avengers. Then this year, I think this was the year of Frozen and like a bunch of other movies. And Iron Man 3 did a billion dollars. Uh, they were riding high. And then it was this, the, like, this was uh, the start of Disney doing like a run of like $10 billion profit at the cinema yeah. for like a yeah. decade. <laughs> Disney were able to turn it around. So yes, they lost money on Lone Ranger, but they pretty much made money on, on everything else. Yeah. So don't cry for them. With the cast. I'm not going to do what the movie wants me to do. I'm not going to talk about Tonto first. Let's start with the Lone Ranger army hammer. We could talk about him in this movie. We don't need to talk about what's going on with him at the moment. Let's just leave that to one side. Yeah. One interesting thing about Army Hammer, this was, I don't know if it's the second or third time he was attached to something that was supposed to be like a large property that was supposed to launch him into like A-list Hollywood status with, uh, with the Marvel guys and the Tom Cruises and Bruce Willis's and that kind of stuff. Because before this, uh, around the mid two thousands, he was cast as Bruce Wayne, Batman for DC when they're going to do the George Miller justice league film. Uh, then there was this Lone Ranger, huge budget on what they expected to be a big hit. He was in the big hit of the social network in the middle of both of those. And then he was attached to another. It was uh, the man from Uncle. Yeah. Which again, I, they thought, he, I, this is it. Yeah. Like all of these movies, like he does a great job in, uh, or they never got made. I, yeah. Either, either they would, he did a really good job or they never got made. And people expected uh, this will be the thing that launches him. This will be the thing that launches him. It never, uh, it never happened. Like you mentioned social network. He gives two good performances in that. He plays the twins. <laughs> And yeah, this movie is good in it. I, I would say, as the Lone Ranger, he's doing what's expected of him in the role. I recently, well, just at the weekend, rewatched The Man from Uncle, the Guy Ritchie movie, in anticipation yeah. of Wrath of Man, the new Guy Ritchie movie. And he's solid in that. He's really good <laughs> in The Man from Uncle. And pretty much whenever I see him in something, he is really good. So you've had yeah. a couple of times where he should have been the next guy and it never happened. And again, I referenced it already. I think with what's been said about him at the moment, it very well never happened. We never will. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's just strange that he had so many of these false starts. Taylor Kitsch is another one of those actors talking about John Carter the year before, yeah, which they he... expected the same thing. Like he yeah. had, he'd impressed in, I think it was a TV series. I can't remember if it was Lost or something no, like no, it. It was Friday Night Lights. It was in that TV yeah. series, and then and it was huge yeah. as well. And it people was... just expected he just needed that that project to step onto to launch him. And the Army Hammer and him both had the same thing. And ironically, two Disney like films that yeah. just oh 
Dismissed. Sorry. I remember Kitch. I mean, he was cast as Gambit in X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is one of the worst X-Men movies. And then I'd not really seen him for a while. And then he popped up in the second season of True Detective. Yeah. But it's been, um, it's been a while. Uh, but was he in American movie, American though. Assassin? Is he in that? That was... Or was uh, it just a kid no... from the Maze Runner who looks that, like him? Yes, that was Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. In the Maze Runner. Let's stick with people that are in this movie. Let's talk Johnny Depp. I, you're right, Army Hammer, he, he just... It, it never happened. Just like Taylor Kitsch, yeah. but let's leave him for yeah. another... Yeah. But, well, oh yeah, I like yourself. I did think he did a really good job. He did exactly as he was asked. He really sold it. Um, great physical comedy. Um, yeah, he really played that bungling well. Uh, and they they frame him up like his brother is the actual gunslinger, swashbuckling, heroic type that you expect to be the Lone Ranger. And they end up he ends up in that position because he is civilized. He went to the city and got an education and he's a district attorney and doesn't believe in guns. Like he's, you know, he's, he's a fish out of water in this story. Uh, and he play and he does exactly everything delivered as intended as well as you could expect. Um, but yeah, Johnny Depp is Tonto. Um, of course, famously um, has a native American uh, heritage, which is how they get around Casting Johnny Depp as a Native I mean, American. He's said that, hasn't he? On, I think it's his grandmother's side. Pretty sure that's, yeah. that's what I read. Um, but yeah, he's Tonto. The, the makeup looks great. The makeup's really striking. Uh, he is kind of doing Native American Jack Sparrow, though. Yes, I, yes, he is. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would agree with that completely. Connection with Low Ranger's brother, because you mentioned that he's more the hero type. He's shot down dead at the beginning of the film. And they do something different in this film. Because even in the radio serials, any other interpretation of the Lone Ranger, Tonto refers to the Lone Ranger as Kimosabi. That's yeah. always been a thing. But they change it up in this film and it refers to wrong brother. Yeah. Uh, in Navajo, uh, sorry, in Apache, which is what Tonto is supposed to be. Uh, and one of the writers in 96 did the translation. He goes, basically it translates to idiot. Uh, right. In the original radio serial in the comics, going back and forth, they're trading insults as friends. Like you idiot. Um, like you don't know what you're doing kind of thing. Uh, whereas, yeah, they change it to this as wrong brother. But his horse doesn't think so. <laughs> his <laughs> somewhat magical spirit horse. Oh, the uh, horse which, is incredible. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, steals the show every every scene it's in. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, he, I said he's just—it's not a bad thing, but it is just Jack Sparrow as a Native American. Um, yeah. In so many ways, the watch instead of the compass, and it's the Disney. quirkiness. Yeah, yeah same company. It's very, it's very similar. You know, I was, I was curious because you know, both times I watched it, you're like, you can't help but think, is it okay that Johnny Depp is playing this Native American? Like, it's, 
but so I, I looked into it some more. Um, Todd McDaniels, who is a linguistics at Comanche Nation College, commented favorably on Depp's attempts to speak Comanche, a language with 23 to 30 living native speakers. The words were there, the pronunciation was shaky but adequate. So it sounds like they, they did get some consultation. Uh, the film was criticized for the casting of Johnny Depp, which again, that's why I guess I was thinking something similar, as well as the overuse and exaggerated use of war paint to portray Native Americans. So that's what I've found, but it's only like little bullet points. And maybe it's because most people didn't watch this movie, but there doesn't seem to be that much criticism over Depp playing a Native American. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing I'll say, and it's not even about that Depp's playing him because even back on in the, back in the eighties on like 21 jump street days and around then, uh, in interviews, he had already put forward about his native American history, uh, lineage. So I was never surprised when like, Oh, they are Johnny Depp. I'm like, Johnny Depp was, Oh wait, that's right. He's, he said this from the get go, but the, the quality of the makeup and the kind of, uh, gritty nature of it. And from the poster as well, you do expect a more serious film than what you get. Uh, oh yeah, and I get is, yeah, pure pulp. It's silly and over the top, and and you know your comparisons to Jack Sparrow are there. That's what we got from the pirate movies as well. But it it, it is an interesting look, um, but you can't help but notice straight away he's got a dead bird on his head. Like you think, yeah, so already yeah. you're off to a kooky start with with this character yeah um and i do feel with this having just watched it Reese, so freshly and with you know uh untainted eyes it kind of feels like there was two cuts of this film the quirky silly uh bombastic uh pulp film of like classic westerns from back in the day that it was inspired by and a dramatic, serious film like, with the tragic backstory of Tonto, the trauma that the Lone Ranger himself is suffering through this, and the like, like really, like shocking villain that they have as well, and how kind of dark his story is. It feels like they filmed two of them, and then mm. they've somehow cut them together, and you kind of get a, a weird, like it never really settles into one mode or another that kind of leaves you with an uneven tone that I'd be curious. Did the director want something darker and kept being told by Disney? No, 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 no. It's a family film for kids. It needs to be lighthearted, more slapstick, more of this. And just, but he kept like, ah, oh, but Westerns work better when they're more serious. Like, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Cause it, yeah, it does feel like it, even over the course of a single scene, it kind of goes, whoa, what up down, up and down, like, like super dark and dramatic. And then the breaking of tension with something kind of ridiculous and like, or just odd that you're like, wait, what? what's going on with that? Um, and, and it hits everyone. I mean, like speaking of the next char character, Butch Cavendish, the main villain played by William Fickner, who 
He's been so many things. Often as a bad guy. Um, Prison Break, In the Dark Knight. He was the bank manager who gets shot at the start. Armageddon. Yeah, (laughs) he pops up in everything. But he's basically a stone-cold killer who has a habit of eating people's body parts. In a Disney film. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, he ate the Lone Ranger's brother's heart like and you don't see it in graphic detail but you see enough of it to be disturbed yeah you're right tonally it just goes back and forth doesn't it it's like it's silly cartoony and then cannibalism yeah uh and they don't try and make that like a ever a joke it's always like, this guy's serious. This guy's scary. The Wendigo, he feeds on men, takes their strength. Yes, yeah, so you know, Tonto uh, believes him to be the Wendigo after what he experienced as a child, which again is really traumatic. It's where Tonto, as a boy, he's, he first supplies the face paint. In the yeah, like he's broken mentally. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it, it just reinforces the kind of quirky tone against a dark tone i'm like feels like there was two ideas for a movie here so we've got these really violent cannibal and i'm not quite sure what happened but i'm you know again we mentioned tonto he's the old guy at the beginning and he's got the dead bird who wears it on his head during the movie and at the end i wish to think that tonto reincarnates as a bird is that what's happening Bizarre. It was a bar, yeah. bizarre way to end the movie, I thought. Yeah. On the back uh, of all these things that we're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of that uneven stuff of like, did the Lone Ranger actually die? Is he actually a spirit walker? Uh, is that serious or, or not? Is, are they just both brain, at, like heat stroke victims from being like out in the thing, desert like- for too long? Like, Tonto doesn't belong to a tribe anymore, but everyone's basically saying that he's not right in the head. Like, he's yeah. he's not sane. And that's who the Lone Ranger is getting all his information from. Yeah, um, but it all works out. Like, sometimes it's it's spookily accurate. Like, are we supposed to know where the guys are coming from with them all being dead? Just follow the horse. And they follow the horse until it drops dead. And he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I knew we shouldn't have done this. And then... Well, they find there train tracks laid in Indian territory where they shouldn't be yes. because the railway company broke the treaty and built the train through there. And you're like, uh, wait, what? Huh? Is he right? Was he right? Was he right to follow the horse? Or was it dumb luck? I don't know. I can't. The, the tone of the film never solidifies one side or another, which kind of leaves you with this kind of like, of like feeling of the whole movie in general. Um, and that's despite good performances. Like uh, William Fishner's performance is great. I mean, he's every single scene. I'm like, is he going to eat this guy? Is he going <laughs> to like, I think he's got, yeah. he's something's disturbing is going to happen. I don't like him being on screen. It freaks me out. Um, and then, you know, he's, you know, we've already given the spoiler warning, but he's the business partner of Tom Wilkinson, who plays Cole, the guy building the railroad because they were the guys who Tonto showed where silver was as a child 
and then killed their tribe to keep the secret hidden. Uh, so they could just mine it all themselves. And like that's that twist comes and it lands and it kind of lands because of the uneven tone of the movie. I'm like, wait, I kept waiting for another foot to drop of like, is that coincidence? I was not. And then it never, and I'm like, no, it seems, seems right. Like they are working together. They're completely working together on the same train and like the train's loaded with silver. Uh, but yeah, it's just what, what, you know, like why would the character of Cole keep Butch Cavendish alive? Doesn't need to really doesn't need to like, he goes through all the trouble of bringing him back alive when he was going to be hung. He could have had him just be killed in whatever the town he started off at the beginning of the film and taken all the silver. Like it's just, I the mean, motivation gets a bit murky. Yeah. Character motivations, yes, that makes sense. But you've been saying already, Butch Cavendish, such a great character. Yeah, they needed, and then Cole, they needed to keep him around. Yeah, um, and then and Cole is just kind of mustache twirling business villain in the end, uh, who hey, has a really Tom Wilkinson. He twirls that mustache well. Yeah, uh, and he's got a really creepy desire for Ruth Wilson, who plays Rebecca Reed, the now love interest of John, but formerly uh, his his sister in law. It's the yeah. the widow Ooh. of his dead brother. <laughs> like it's, yes, Dan's like, wife and John's love interest. It's made very clear that they always had a thing in before John's brother was killed. You see on Dan that he recognizes he recognizes the attraction between them two, and after Dan dies, they kind of get together. Yeah, but yeah, and very early in the picture, like long before that happens, they establish Cole seems to have an uncomfortable interest in her. Yeah, he's like, buying the gifts. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's got an attraction to her. Ruth Wilson is always great. Like for me, I know her from Luther. She's fantastic Same. in in that show, and she's and also she's really great in uh, the his dark materials. Ah, see, I've not seen that yet. I need to check that out. I've heard good things, but she's good here, but she's not doing a lot, really. No. Like she's there, she's the damsel. She's not doing too much, but what she's doing, you know, I always like seeing Wilson on screen, but she's not got too much to do to be honest we've got helena bonham carter she plays red harrington a peg-legged brothel madam although we know that's what she is we know it's a brothel but i guess with it being a disney movie at no point do anybody reference the fact that it's a brothel no and it kind of looks a bit more like a circus like (laughs) Well, it's a Disney up with brothel pageantry, and it's yeah, it's a Disney brothel at a fairground. Yeah. It could be a circus, you don't know. So but... that was um, that was pretty interesting. You know, she kind of comes in and out of it. You know, we, we see that she's got a gun and a boot in in a prosthetic leg. So that was fun. Um, interestingly, this film is the first and only collaboration of Depp and Carter not to be from Tim Burton, whether directing or producing. So that's yeah. worth noting there because we know Depp often works with with Burton. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, when I saw her 
name pop up in the credits. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Johnny Depp's here. Of course she is. Um, yeah, and playing the brother who we've mentioned a few times, Dan Reed, uh, the now dead brother, um, James Badge Dale, who does a really good job for the very small amount of time he's in the film. He looks like he belongs in a Western. Yeah. He knows that he does. He plays it. <laughs> He plays it really well, but as you say, he doesn't stick around too long. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, they have the rest of the, uh, the posse, who, the bad guys, um, who work with Butch Cavendish. Um, they all do good jobs. They have some weird traits, like there's the one who clearly likes wearing women's clothing, <laughs> who... Uh, who uh, manages to escape a few times when he otherwise should, would expect to be shot, um, which is, I think it was Skinny, played by Matt O'Leary. Uh, you have, uh, on the Indian side, the Comanche side, the character of Redney, played by Gil Birmingham, who is Native American. Uh, you might recognize him from the Twilight films. He was uh, the friend in a wheelchair of... Uh, Bella's father. He was I like the. Oh no! I, I saw the first yeah. movie. And yeah, he's been in me. so many things. He's a, a very well-known uh, Native American actor. He was also he in. Him. I I saw him a lot. He was in. Um, what's the name of that sci-fi show that him? That was like a sci-fi western. The uh, resilience, resistance. Uh, on Sci-Fi Channel, or in four years. I'm okay. not too sure. There was a, an actor I did recognize, James Frayne. Uh, he plays Barrett, one of Cole's industry foremen. He's done a lot of TV. He was in Gotham. Uh, he plays Sarek, Star Trek Discovery. Sar- yeah, Fox Sarek Star- is how I recognize him. <laughs> yes, I recognize him from a few things, but majority of other people, oh, Stephen Root, he pops up. Uh, he plays Haberman, the railroad's president. So, you know, we always recognize Stephen Root. But a lot of the yeah. guys, they were just there, whether they were good guys, bad guys. Uh, we've talked about Depp's costume already. Uh, the makeup and costume were inspired by artist Kirby Sattler's painting, I Am Crow. And I did read that there was going to be a table read and a big one with the actors, the studio were there, and they ended up waiting a good couple of hours. And Depp turned up late. Uh, but the reason why is because he wanted to show up in full makeup and costume. I don't think Depp could get away with that nowadays. But back in 2013, <laughs> it sounded like he had he still had enough clout. He could have people just waiting around while he puts his makeup yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... It's uh, yeah, the, all the cast are good. They said the costume, uh, I really enjoy for Lone Ranger. It's fairly clean, like business suit because it's kind of what he had on at the time. Uh, you know, he's he get he he needs a hat to ride out with the posse, so he, he just buys a big white hat. And then after he essentially gets killed, Ponto just chops it and it becomes the That's most it. more distinctive yeah. white Bends it into Lone shape. Ranger hat. The the mask that he wears, bullet holes, I thought that was pretty cool. And he wears that as a mask. 
See, visually, yeah, he looks for me a lot more like the Lone Manger than Depp does as Tonto. Yeah, if I'm being um, honest. Absolutely, and you know, it's shot on location. The cinematography is really brilliant. And everything's really high quality. It does have that classic Western. Of course, it costs enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that classic Western silliness of they don't they use like a hundred bullets out of a six shooter. Oh, but well, that, it's it's a, yeah, it's part of the course of a film of this kind. Um, and the music's brilliant as well. You know, they uh, they do integrate that classic Lone Ranger theme over and over again. Uh, it doesn't stand out. It it really does it comes in at the right times and uses your action. Uh, they, they I can't believe the we've gone this long. I mean, and it's interesting as well. Like, let, let's talk about the music then. I mean, the score of this film is Hans Zimmer, uh, who yeah. is one of my all-time favourites. During yeah. the opening sequence of the bank robbery, the music in the background is the William Tell Overture by... Giacchino Rossini, which is later played extensively in the film's climax. It was the musical cue used in the original radio show and later films, particularly for intense sequences. It became so popular that most people know it only as the Lone Ranger theme. And I'm one of those. I thought that's that's what it was, but no, it started as something else. So th- yes, the opening, we get a couple of riffs a couple of riffs later on, and I've got to be honest, and then, yeah, extensively for what must have been the last half an hour of the film. And that's yeah. when we've got the Lone Rangers on silver, riding on tops of trains, buildings, big shootouts. It's big cartoon violence. And I've got to be honest, both times I've watched it, and I forgot about it until this rewatch, I've just, I was sat up in my seat, big smile on my face, and it's the action, it's the music, thoroughly enjoyed that that music really does add so much to it but again like it, it is actually the william tell overture whereas <laughs> i could have sworn it was the lone ranger theme song same same and i knew i like you know, i grew up listening to classical music in uh with my mom uh and so i should have known about the william tell overture we had on god knows how many cds um but yeah, it's like you. I, I always just think of it as Lone Ranger because it is so synonymous. And most people, most people will like if you play it to them, they're going to think Lone Ranger, and they might not even like be able to recall watching Lone Ranger. But it's just something that just stands out: cowboy, domino mask, and that music. It does. Yeah. It does take you back there. Yeah. Um, and you know, talking about that last half hour sequence of a. Uh, of the big action beat, they're on the train, the silver's there, all the principal players have come together, he's full Lone Ranger riding silver along the horse, the roof, and because you've seen the horse do so many strange things, it doesn't seem out of place, they've done a good job of breaking uh, your, like, making it so a normal part for the course, for that horse, you're like, oh, of course the horse can do that, no problem, no problem at all, and it's when the movie's at its best, is that last half hour, the, uh, yeah, there, right, is some, there is some mm-hmm. silliness. You got Johnny Depp doing the weird thing on the, the, the ladder, which all seems to work out in the end, but it's at its most pure. That see, entire sequence, I think 
if they were to do a sequel, having everything established, it may have performed better and it also may have been more even a film. I agree completely. I mean, it's an origin film. Yeah. And that's that last half hour, he is the Lone Ranger, like fully realized for the first time. Yeah. The character, it's just the music, all of it, like everything comes together in those last 30 minutes. But unfortunately, yeah. it's taken two hours to get there. Which yeah. is like a long time. You could watch most movies until you get to that part of the Lone Ranger. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is the big sin of the film. Um, the bungling stuff st- two hours beforehand, where I said it's Western Pirates of the Caribbean, kind of probably lost most people in the cinemas. And they're not thinking of like, oh, wow, that last sequence was great. They're thinking... What did I just watch? What what was this? What was what were they trying to tell me? Because even after all of that, like you said, the final sequence of like Ponto maybe transforming into a bird and flying back to the Wild West, uh, and even he finally does the um, you know he names the horse like in the like as they're getting to the epilogue and wrapping everything up and does the right you know rears back and hi ho silver great visual yeah and then, yeah yeah i ho silver away and tonto's like don't ever do that again yeah <laughs> and again they kind of funny like, enough. yeah but they kind of buried themselves with jokes like that you're like you're almost taking a stab at something that is like a core uh, it's the character's catchphrase it is what they're known for yeah you know you have I, I darkwing think... duck i am the terror yes. that flaps in the night <laughs> you've got you've got um you know a lot of stuff like that like hulk smash uh you know it's clobbering time for the thing lone ranger was hi-ho silver away yeah, and, and, he, and he delivers just it, turn, and it cut it down into a joke yeah i kind of like especially when you've just done that half hour of building to like he's competent now and you're leaving because you've got Johnny Depp as Tonto, because he's, I mean, this is maybe just my perception, but I'd always thought like if the comparisons would be Batman and Robin. Yeah. And that's the dynamic. Yeah, it's like they've fl- looked to flip it a little bit here and had it be Tonto and the Lone Ranger. They've still called the movie The Lone Ranger because that's what it's known, that's what the property is known for. Well, the fact that Tonto is often dismissive, like you mentioned, you know, the translation, you know, from the uh, Kimusabi was originally idiot, which is showing that they had playful digs at each other. Yeah. But I just feel like if you have a big property about the Lone Ranger, Tonto should take him seriously and show respect or be equal partners. Yeah. yeah or at least you know establish a, a, a respect by the end of the film but even at the end of the film he doesn't seem to have any respect for him no um, but then and, and if you wanted to invert yeah. it where tonto was the competent one like they did with the green hornet where it's all actually the sidekick but because of him being uh a, a part of society that is a look is looked down on he's he's hidden his success behind like a white man that people could like attribute all the the greatness to you could have done that if you kept it serious but because of the bungling and everything else like like because he they never earn that equal respect 
between each other, it kind of like I don't think anyone walked out the cinema going, "Oh, I wonder what the next one's going to be like." You yeah, left like, well, you shot yeah. yourself in the foot. You've it doesn't quite work. You never allow Lone Ranger even after that tremendous last sequence. You couldn't help but shoot yourselves in the foot right afterwards. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's still a joke. He's still a jackass. He's still incompetent. He hasn't really learned any of the things he needed to to continue to be the Lone Ranger. You know, um, even though he he he's he makes the he does the classic superhero yeah. thing of like turning away the loved one. Like, I'm got I can't step back into society yet. I the the Wild West needs the Lone Ranger. They do all that and then just make the joke right afterwards. Like immediately throw away, afterwards. Yeah. Right away for a gag. You know, it's interesting before that you mentioned Green Hornet, because if you don't know, there's some interesting trivia here. The original Lone Ranger radio series led to a spin-off radio serial, The Green Hornet. The title character's alter ego, Britt Reed was John Reed's great nephew. Yeah. Wow. I don't think everybody knows that. That's an interesting bit of trivia that the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet are actually related within a shared universe. Yeah. And that like which shows that that idea of this family gets back down time. Like uh, you know, his his nephew, who we didn't bring up, but the Roos son, you can see that you know he's competent and he's brave. He's got the slingshot that his father gives him, and he's told him, "I expect you to be bullseyeing squirrels by the time I get back." So he's probably the the line of the lineage that ends up Green Hornet. Green Hornet. You know, so it's all was, established there. It's ready yeah. to go. They had all, all the elements necessary. Oh, it's all there. I mean, and they shot and they like for a cheap gag right before the movie <laughs> ends. They kind of yeah. derailed the whole thing. Playing Danny Reed, uh, Rebecca and Dan's son was Brian Prince. But who yeah. knows? Like, if this movie would have been a success, like, and they'd made like a trilogy or whatever they'd made, they could have just jumped a couple of decades. And done Green Hornet, and had it be like a continuation of what started here. Because I know Sony made, or was it 2011, the Seth Rogen movie? I'm sure after yeah. that they weren't interested in doing any more Green Hornet. The Disney could have done it from Lone Ranger yeah. to Green Hornet, but maybe don't bring back Seth Rogen. I mean, I love yeah, it. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but maybe they could cast somebody else in a more serious yeah. Green Hornet movie. Yeah, I mean, if you were, if they got him out in a timely enough manner they could have ended up with army hammer playing his own descendant oh wow as green hornet like you yeah yeah, you would it would have been an easy translation the audience would have been able to track you could have just done small little nods of like there's and then they could have done a crossover time travel we've already referenced the film where army hammer plays twins yeah, exactly. The Lone Ranger could have met the Green Hornet. His descendant is what is it? Great great nephew. Yeah. Oh, like, so much potential. But we never Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, that's not gonna happen. None of there. that's gonna happen. He did not no, get there, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Which, you know, and this is a you know, very, very expensive swing and miss, unfortunately. Um, 
which you know probably brings us to our ratings. Yeah. So if you're going to uh, rate this very expensive swing and a miss, Jay, what would you give it out of five? You know, it's it's probably right in the middle for me, just a three. When it's really good, it is very good. But the uneven tone, which kind of plagues the whole film, uh, it just leaves it it's just a three. It 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 drags down what could have been a four or even higher down to just the middle road because it is enjoyable. It's just the uneven tone doesn't make me feel like I would have been excited for a sequel had they gotten there, um, which is a shame because they had they should have had everything in place to make it all work. But yeah, just a three. How about yourself? If not for that last half an hour and what I know to be the Lone Ranger theme, it would have been down at a two, but it gets lifted to a three. So same, same as you. That last half hour is a lot of fun. Uh, but to get there, it's really all over the place. And we've said already tonally i mean i did read that the plot was originally supposed to focus on more supernatural elements and native american mysticism werewolves were going to be present that's why the silver bullets used it was going to be a different thing so i'm not quite sure how how far that went along to when they were ready to film but that could add to tonally why it's dark, it's light, it's silly, it's scary, all these things. So tonally, it really is all over the place. But as a Western adventure, for the most part, I did have fun with it, but the saving grace really is that final half an hour. And yeah, Toto's a bird now. So that's that's the thing that happened in the final moments of, of this movie. Well, that's it for our episode all about The Lone Ranger. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.